Sharon Hirsch wrote the following article entitled An Hour of Gratitude. She wrote, last night I went to bed feeling restless, irritable and discontent. I had my reasons. I'd been misunderstood and judged by a friend. My car was leaking a puddle of pending trouble in the garage. A check I'd received for freelance work bounced and the list went on. But I woke up this morning remembering a commitment I made to myself for the month of November that I would spend one hour each day giving thanks. So I turned the light on and my alarm clock off and both work predictably while 1.6 billion people around the globe live without electricity. They rely on burning wood and waste for light and heat, most of which adds to air pollution, one of the world's leading causes of premature death. So I give thanks for electricity. I always check my Blackberry first thing in the morning. I know it's geeky and a little scary, but I love my Blackberry. Some might be stressed to be constantly connected to their phones, but I'm extraordinarily grateful for my cell, considering that in the developing world, a majority of people live with limited access to telephone, basic Internet or even postal service. I easily scroll down the screen on my phone and note all the people I talked to yesterday, the one waiting voicemail and several new email messages. And again, I give thanks. Recently, I read a study on loneliness and felt deep sadness to learn that one fourth of those surveyed reported often having no one to talk to. As I enter my bathroom to get ready for the day, a, a memory flashes through my mind. While driving across Cambodia a few years ago, I casually told our guide I needed a restroom and that a stop at the next gas station would be fine. Fine. She quickly shook her head at my ignorant suggestion and said, oh, no, that would not be good. We will stop at a nice house. We finally found one she thought looked suitable and paid those kind strangers one dollar to use their luxury outhouse. Until that trip, I was embarrassingly unaware that much of the world's population doesn't have access to a toilet. This may seem unrefined to give thanks for in prayer, but it's an unavoidable non-issue for us, or it's an unavoidable non-issue for us only because we live in the privileged first world. Elsewhere, the lack of sanitary plumbing is one of the major causes of early childhood death and disease. Next, I turn on the faucet, one of six in my home, to get a drink. For a quarter of the world's population, a glass of clean water is never an option, which is why more than two million people die every year from diseases contracted simply by drinking water. With every sip, I give thanks. I lace up my Nikes and step outside for a morning run. As always, the sun is rising. I think about a quotation by Scottish writer George MacDonald. A dear friend sent it via email, which I read with my laser corrected vision. The world is full of resurrections. Every night that folds us up in darkness is a death. And those of you that have been out early have seen the first dawn will know it. The day rises out of the night like a being that has burst its tomb and escaped into life. I take in the beautiful sunrise and silently pray. Thank you, God, for another resurrection. I listen to my iPod while I exercise. Its music fills me with joy, anticipation, faith and hope. Considering that approximately 15 out of every 1,000 Americans have a hearing impairment. I thank God I can hear the words and melodies coming from a miraculous three-inch device that stores all my favorite songs. When I finish exercising, I jump into my car 
which suddenly seems to run fine even with the mysterious leak and drive to get breakfast in the morning news. My heart overflows with gratitude as I savor every bite of a pumpkin bagel slathered with peanut butter. I'll never forget the newspaper photos I saw last year of starving Haitian families making cookies from dirt, salt and shortening to stave off their hunger pains. It takes only the highlights from a single hour in my day to confirm that I have a lot to be grateful for. In fact, our ability to read these words in beautifully formatted and printed form confirms that we're among the 25 percent most affluent people in the world. And just one hour of reviewing my portfolio of wealth, I'm reminded that we aren't prosperous because of what we have is the measure of gratitude that we carry with us into the world, even for 60 minutes a day that makes us rich. I want to be honest with you, for me, that was a very sobering article. It reminded me afresh and anew of just how much I have to be thankful for. And it caused me to ask this question of myself. Am I developing an attitude of gratitude or am I perfecting my mumbling and grumbling? Think about that question in regards to your own life. Let me give it to you again. You ask yourself. Am I developing an attitude of gratitude or am I perfecting my mumbling and grumbling? This morning, I want to turn your attention to one verse of Scripture. It's in First Thessalonians chapter five. If you have God's word with you, uh, please turn there. First Thessalonians chapter five. Now, this verse we're going to consider today sits in the midst of other short but powerful verses, verses like rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. Wonderful verses, but we're not going to consider them today because I want our focus to be upon this one verse. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Here's what God's word says there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's take this verse apart, beloved, this morning and examine it. Notice, first of all, the command. The command is very simple. Give thanks. Give thanks. The thanks mentioned here, of course, is thanks that's to be offered toward God. It's obvious he's writing to Christians in this chapter. I went back and I counted five times where he addressed them as brethren, brethren, brethren. And so he's addressing believers here. We would not expect the unconverted man or woman, the unconverted boy or girl, the lost person to be living this way, to act this way, to continually be giving thanks to God. In fact, Romans 121 says this, because that when they knew God, they knew about God. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Thankfulness to God does not characterize the unbeliever. It does not characterize the lost person, but it should characterize those of us who have Jesus Christ as our savior. We should be characterized by thankfulness. In fact, gratitude should characterize our lives every single day. 
<laughs> but sadly, that's not the case. I, I read about a, a story here where a vendor was out and he was selling bagels for 50 cents each. He was on a street corner at a little food stand and you could go there and get a bagel 50 cents on that street corner. Well, a jogger ran past and threw a couple of quarter quarters in the bucket, but he did not take a bagel. And he did this. The same thing every day for months. He'd jog by, he'd throw 50 cents in the bucket, and he would not take a bagel. Well, well, one day, as the jogger was passing by, the vendor stepped out and stopped him. And the jogger asked, he said, you probably want to know why I always put money in, but never take a bagel, don't you? And the vendor looked at him and said, no, I just want to tell you the bagels have gone up to 60 cents. <laughs> Now, too often, we as believers are like that in our relationship with the Lord. We have the same kind of attitude. Not only are we ungrateful for what he's given us, we want more. Somehow we feel that God owes us good health. God owes us a comfortable life. God owes us material blessings. But of course, beloved, God owes us nothing. Yet he gives us everything. He owes us nothing, but he gives us everything. Really, instead of Thanksgiving happening in our lives just once a year or even one week out of the year, we need to have thanks living every day of our lives. The command is clear. Give thanks. Now, notice the scope of the command this morning. Notice the, the three words there that begin this verse in everything. Give thanks in everything. Now, what exactly does that mean? This is the part of the verse that we struggle with. We have no problem with the next two words. We can say, praise the Lord. We ought to give thanks. But it's this first part of the verse in everything. Does he mean what he says there? That we're to give thanks in everything. Are we to take this literally? Does he really mean in everything, in everything, give thanks? Does he really mean that? Yes. Yes. Now, don't turn me off or turn me out. Listen. I don't want you to miss this. Read it carefully. The very first word. In every thing, give thanks. What do you mean, preacher? It does not say for everything, give thanks. Let me, let me give you the difference. If we had to give thanks for everything, we'd have to give thanks for sin. We'd have to give thanks for the devil. We'd have to give thanks for people dying and going to hell. And of course, that's ludicrous. That's ridiculous. We, we're not thankful for sin. We ought to hate sin as believers. We're not excited about people going to hell. We want them to be saved and go to heaven and spend eternity with us and especially with Jesus for all eternity. Now, listen, we're to give thanks in everything. John MacArthur said he's saying no matter what happens to you in your life, be thankful. No matter what circumstance, no matter what struggle, vicissitude, trial, testing, be thankful, give thanks. No matter what the situation, we're to find a reason to thank God. This is not some nebulous thanks fired off into space. It is a thanks given directly to God. In everything, give thanks. In the hard times and in the easy. When the days are sunny, when the days are cloudy. We're on top of the world or under the heat. He says, in everything, give thanks. Now, that's an easy command to obey when things are going great. It's an easy command when everything's going fantastic in our lives. But what about when it's not? 
What about when we're really struggling along? We're having trials and testings and all these things. H.W. Westermeyer reminds us, he said, the pilgrims, the pilgrims made seven times more graves than huts. Nevertheless, they set aside a day of thanksgiving, even in the darkest times. There is something to be grateful for. I, I, I kind of had to just laugh because you read a verse like this and you set out to live it. One fellow did that. John Phillips said, years ago, I heard out on Redpath telling an amusing story at Moody Bible Institute, uh, Spiritual Emphasis Conference. He said a friend of his seems to have read this very verse that morning in his devotions and he decided to put it into practice. Starting that very morning, he would give thanks in everything. Well, he was leaving Mobile, Alabama, and he was going by Greyhound bus for an all day long trip. He says it was one of those hot and humid summer days long before air conditioning was common in buses and cars. The man arrived at the bus station in good time and secured himself a seat by the window. Thank you, Lord, for this window seat, he said. It's going to be a hot trip, but at least I can get some breeze. The bus began to fill up. However, the seat next to him remained vacant. He said, thank you, Lord. It's going to be a hot trip, but at least I'll have some room to spread out. The driver took his place, started the bus. The bus door closed. Thank you, Lord. The man said, you've kept the seat beside me empty. But but just as the bus was about to pull away at the terminal, someone banged on the bus door. It was a late arriving passenger. I'll read their words here. A very large woman towing behind her a very small boy. She clambered aboard, pouring with perspiration and glowing with heat like a furnace. She came down the aisle of the bus, passed a number of empty seats and flopped heavily down into the seat beside this man. She was quite unable to limit her bulk to the allotted space. I'm reading his words now, don't. The overflow pressed hot and heavy against the dismayed and disappointed man. Waves of heat and the strong odor of perspiration engulfed him. The woman hauled her little boy up on her lap and he began to howl and kick his feet. The man received his share of the flying feet on his legs. The woman slapped the little boy, but that only made him worse. By way of consolation, the woman pulled out a pack of cigarettes, lit one, and blew out volumes of smoke that added immeasurably to the man's discomfort. The boy settled down. The cigarette smoldered. The woman fell asleep. As she relaxed, her bulk sagged heavily in the direction of the unfortunate man, who was now pressed so hard against the side of the bus, he could bear hardly breathe. <laughs> Tentative shoves proved he was hopelessly trapped. He sat there in growing misery, his temperature rising, his limbs cramped, and his senses assailed with smoke and body odor. Can you see him? Can you see it? Then he thought of this morning's text in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And he prayed like many of us would pray. He said, Lord, what is there in this situation for which I can be thankful? And he waited. And then it flashed into his mind. You can be thankful 
that you're not married to her. <laughs> In everything. Give thanks. Now, and I've seen those Greyhound buses. I used to work and they'd get off. Anyway, if you set out to live this, those tests are going to come, aren't they? But in everything, give thanks. We're tempted to ask this question. And sometimes we just go ahead and ask it. Why me, God? Why, why did this have to happen to me? Why did it have to happen to my family? But you know what? Do we ever ask the question, why not me? Why not me? Why not my family? Why should I be exempt from testings and trials and things of life that are common to man? The command, give thanks. The scope of the command, in everything, give thanks. But really, we need to get a hold of the reason for the command. The reason is at the end of that verse. In everything, give thanks. Watch this. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We can be clear on this, beloved. God wants us to give thanks and to give thanks in everything. But how do we really do this? How do we literally offer thanks in everything? I want to give you some practical helps today. Okay, I want to give you some things to remember and I want to give you some things to do. If you want to jot these down, that would be good as well. Notice the last part of that verse again. I want you to notice that three people are mentioned. For this is the will of God. There's the first one. In Christ Jesus, there's the second one. Concerning you. There's the third one. God, Jesus, and you. So thanks to remember. First of all, remember this. Our God is sovereign. Our God is sovereign. In other words, no matter what's going on in our lives, God is still in control. Romans 8, 28 says this way. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, we usually only use that verse when bad things are happening. You know, well, I'm struggling, but all God works. What about the good times? God uses those too. God uses all things together for good, the good and the bad. Even though he does not cause evil and wickedness, he can take it and use it for good. That happened in Joseph's life. Remember, we studied the life of Joseph. The very last chapter of Genesis, his brothers are before him. He says this to him in chapter 50, verses 19 and 20. Joseph said unto them, fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me. And they did. They sold him into slavery. You thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. God overruled their wickedness and brought about his will and his glory. All things. Remember this. All things that come in our lives are filtered through his loving hands. All things. Our God is sovereign. God. Now, Jesus. Secondly, remember this. Our Savior is Jesus. Our Savior is Jesus. Oh, that everyone here today could say that. And friend, if you can't say that today, realize you're a sinner, you're lost, you're undone. All have sinned. I stand before you this morning. I'm a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. That's what we want for you. To be a sinner saved by grace. Repent of your sin and place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But those of us who know him, our Savior is Jesus. 
Listen to these words. Let them comfort your hearts today. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our Savior is Jesus. Our God is sovereign. Our Savior is Jesus. But a third person mentioned there is you. Our sanctification is in play. Sanctification, big fancy sounding word. Our Christian growth. Our Christian growth. Our sanctification is in play. In other words, we know Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he did foreknow. He did predestinate, listen, to be conformed to the image of his son, that's Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, God is molding and shaping you, Christian. God is molding and shaping you to make you like Jesus. He's the potter. You're the clay. God cares about you. Look at that verse again. This is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. God cares about you. Remember, beloved, every day our God is sovereign. Our Savior is Jesus. Our sanctification is in play. He's working on us. He's working in us. You say, what if I still don't feel like being thankful? I want to give you three things to do. Okay? Three things you could do. First of all, look around. Look around. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Look at all that God has done. Look around sometime. Look at your family. Look at your surroundings. Look at how wonderfully God has blessed you. Look around. Secondly, look up. Look up. God is worthy to be praised. He's the creator, the sustainer of life. The one who cares about you. The one who loves you. The one who sent Jesus to die in your place. Look up. Thirdly, look down. So what do you mean, preacher? Look at where you were and look at where God has brought you to. The psalmist said it this way. Psalm 40, verse 2. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. And establish my goings. When I look at where I was. When I look at what I was. When I look at where I was going beloved. I can't help but be grateful. Look around. Look up. Look down. Billy Graham said this. He said ingratitude is a sin. Just as surely as is lying. Or stealing. Or immorality. Or any other sin condemned by the Bible. He said nothing turns us into bitter Selfish, dissatisfied people more quickly than an ungrateful heart. And nothing will do more to restore contentment and joy of our salvation than a true spirit of thankfulness. So I ask again this morning, will you develop an attitude of gratitude or will you keep perfecting, mumbling and grumbling? Now, we've had a message here on Thanksgiving and I want us to practice what we preach today. 
You receive one of these. Would you take it out? These little pamphlets here. I gave you this for you to have and to keep and to use throughout your Thanksgiving celebrations. If you open it up and look at that, you'll see two different sections. The first section talks about, I think, which is a very good idea, about how in these folks' home, each place is set with five kernels of corn, a card, and a pen. And they take time to write out five things which they're thankful for, and they share those before praying. And then the other section there has a little bit of history for you. Succinct enough for you to read and share at your Thanksgiving celebration this year. It it, it won't bore too many people, I don't believe. It's not that long, but it reminds you of some of the origin of this holiday. But I want you to turn it over. And I want you to notice on the back is a space for you to write in at least five things for which you're thankful for. And here's what I want to do in our closing service today. I'm going to ask Danielle to come to the piano and she's going to play in just a moment a song. I want to give you the words of this song. But here's what I want you to do in our closing moments together today. You can use this time to write in those five things if you'd like. But specifically, I want us to spend time personally, each one of us, giving thanks to God. Right where you are. If you want to come to the altar, that's fine. If you want to kneel, that's fine. But I want to spend some time this morning... Literally giving thanks. I want to read this beautiful, beautiful song to you. I wish it was in our hymn book. It said the New Baptist hymn, but not in ours. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his son. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what? The Lord has done for us. Give thanks. Now, here's what I want you to do, beloved. I'm going to give a time for you to personally bow and pray and give thanks as she plays through. And after she's done playing, I'm going to come back here and I'm going to lead us in a public prayer of thanksgiving. I'm going to ask the blessing on our meal, which is to come. And let me encourage you as well today. When we go over and eat, I want you to fellowship. I want you to have a wonderful time. But maybe throw in one or two things you're thankful for today. Just say, you know, I just want to, I just want to praise the Lord right here with the midst of you folks that God has blessed me for A and B. Let's keep our thoughts God-centered and keep our thoughts Godward. Daniel's going to play. You pray. <laughs>
now, Father, how can we help but to offer gratefulness and thanksgiving to you? Thank you for your sovereignty, that you're in control, that you take what we might consider good and bad, and you weave them together for your glory and our good. You use them to shape us and make us more into the image of the Lord Jesus. Father, forgive us for mumbling and grumbling and complaining. Father, help us to develop attitudes of gratitude. Lord, gratefulness, true gratefulness. We've been reminded afresh and anew today that we again are the most blessed people upon the face of the earth. Many know little or nothing about many of the things that we take for granted. Forgive us, O oh God. Help us to use that which you've given to us in your service and for your glory. Help us to practice this command. In everything, give thanks. Thank you for the clarity of this verse. We know that it's your will. We know it's what you want us to do. So, Lord, help us to do it. Help us to practice it. Father, I pray that you would help us to teach our children gratefulness and gratitude. Lord, for them to realize that we're owed nothing, but we're given everything. Father, I love you today. We love the Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for this past year. You've been so good to us. You have blessed us in so many ways. We praise you. We give you all the honor and all the glory. We thank you for what you're doing in hearts and lives. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in families. We thank you today for your faithfulness and your goodness and your mercy and your long suffering. Father, as we go and we have a meal together, we thank you for the food. We're reminded again today that many don't have anything to eat. We have an abundance. May we eat with grateful hearts. May we eat, as your word tells us, eating and drinking, doing all to the glory of God. Father, I pray today as we dismiss to the meal that if anybody here does not know Jesus as their own Savior and the Spirit's working on their heart and life today, that they would come and they would find me or another believer here and say, I want to meet Jesus. Could you share with me what God's Word says? And Father, I pray for courage and confidence that anyone here that does not know Christ will come today. And meet him. May our conversation around the table glorify you. May we truly share one with another. Our gratefulness and our thankfulness. And it all goes back to you. It's all centered in you. Lord, even our love. We love you. Because you first loved us. Thank you, Lord. And help us throughout the remainder of this week. And the remainder of our lives. To truly, truly glorify and be grateful to you. In the Savior's name, amen.